Man, it is good to worship together. Well, um, if you uh, have your Bible and you're going to follow along with us, uh, and, and following along, I say that every week, you know, following along just proves that I don't make up the words that come out, like you have a copy of the scriptures too, and, uh, but, but I'm going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 uh, today. We'll spend our entire time uh, just kind of tracking through those verses there, and we're not going to jump around much. And so Ephesians chapter 4, uh, if you don't own a Bible, I, I don't say this often, but if, you, if you're like, hey man, uh, I wish I had a Bible, uh, get one. We have free ones. Uh, they're in the coffee area. There are just some free Bibles underneath. There's an NIV and an ESV. Just grab one, or if you have a loved one uh, and they would like a Bible, you can get one for them as well. We are in the last and final week of Habits, uh, the series that we've been in, because uh, most people this time of year are thinking, how do I become a better person? And then they set up uh, a system that they want to follow to be a better person. Even if it weren't this time of year, many people, like yourselves, uh, you show up to church and you think, I need to go to church today because I need to, I'm working on something, or I, I just, you know, I, I want to be around other people. I want to be maybe a better person or a better group of people, things like that. We always want to look to be better, and so we try to set up systems and habits that uh, are successful. And very often, not always, uh, but very often we set up a system uh, and we, we do really well. We take off with a nice sprint, uh, but we get winded and something happens and we, we don't quite make it. We don't quite make it through with our resolution. We don't quite make it through with our habit. For some reason, some habits stick and some habits don't stick. And so what we've been doing for the last three weeks, now we're on our fourth week, is looking at what's a system, what's a way that we can look at different things in our lives that would uh, add up. And so uh, here, here's kind of where we landed in the first three weeks. Uh, the, the first thing is if you want habits that are going to stick, the first thing you're going to need to do is you need to settle your who's before you settle your do's. Very often, we begin with, I have a list of things I need to do, uh, but we don't begin with, who am I? What do I need to be? You know, before, before you're going to make good decisions on being a dad, you have to like wear the, 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 the suit of, I'm, I'm dad, and I have to, I have to be a father and, and care for these kids. Uh, before you uh, start making decisions on, you know, how I'm going to be more productive at work, you need to settle a, a who. Like, I am a person who has control over my behaviors and my actions. In, in terms of, of, of the Christian life, in terms of your faith, um, we have a lot of actions that we tend to want to stop doing. I want to I stop sinning in this way, and we all have our creative ways that we do that. You don't need a list from me. Uh, but before we begin knocking off that list, one thing you need to ask yourself, like, who, who am I in Christ? Uh, and and what, what we landed with that week is that you are who God says you are. You're not who you feel like. You're not who, whatever label that person said that you've been wearing for a while. You're not who you say you are when you look in the mirror. You're not your bank account, for better or for worse. You're not, you're not any list of other things that we measure people by. You're not your occupation. You're not, you're not, uh, your identity is not plumber or teacher or, you know, scientist or whatever. You, you are an individual person created by Christ. To, to, to walk in, in the good works that he's called you to walk in. Uh, Romans 8.1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So, so you can take your first step towards uh, life that you want, habits that you want, by, by just owning that, wearing this, I have no condemnation. If I'm in Christ, if I'm, if I'm a follower of Jesus, Scripture teaches me that God says there's no condemnation left for me. So now I have freedom 
to walk forward. The second thing we looked at is uh, we, need to, we need to be honest with ourselves and we need to stop the actions or behaviors that are actually working to imprison us. And there's a, there's a lot of things that we have freedom to do. Um, and there are some things that are dressed up as freedom that they're really traps and they're going to imprison us. Paul uses the phrase works of the flesh. And then there's like this whole list of things that we're not going to go over now because, again, you don't need a list. Uh, it seems to me that we are uh, infinitely creative in creating systems and conversation points and habits that, that just imprison us. Uh, I, I could make a list and it wouldn't be enough because, because you're more creative than me. The, the, w- the ways I found to imprison myself are different than the ways you found to imprison yourself. And, and who we are in Christ is that he set us free. That second song we sang, that he went and won the battle for us. So, so we can have freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And so we can put to death, we can crucify the works of the flesh. So we need to stop those actions and behaviors that you and I know at the end is a trap, at the end is a death or imprisonment. And then last week, uh, we, we started talking about momentum. Now that, now that we're stopping some of these things that are weighing us down, they're dragging us backwards, uh, we, need to, we need to be honest about what direction we're moving in and start taking steps of momentum towards one or the other. Uh, there's an interesting kind of, it would be a scientific law if it weren't just a spiritual thing, but... Uh, you can't take work, uh, steps towards the flesh and towards the spirit at the same time. It, it's, it's impossible. They're mutually at odds with each other. And a, a lot of us, uh, I, I can think of myself, even as a young Christian, I'm, I'm a teenager and I'm trying to figure out like how I'm going to navigate uh, social circles and my faith that I don't really fully understand yet. And I remember trying to take both steps at the same time. I remember trying to, like, is that is that really that big of a deal? Is it, and, and what I, my experience has been, what scripture teaches, is that you can't do both at the same time. What you will end up doing is just stalling out. You're not getting momentum in either direction. But you can start to get momentum moving towards life and away from death. And so what I want to do, now that we're talking, like we've got rid of the things that are weighing us down, we're starting to get momentum, I, I want to do our fourth and final step for habits that are going to stick. And the fourth step is this, is that we walk worthy uh, by choosing to put away the old and to put on the new. There, there are two metaphors in, in this that we're going to look at together in Ephesians. This idea of walking worthy. As, as you take a step towards life, uh, this idea of walking worthy is a, like you're, you're going to hold your head up. You're going to have a little bit of stature about yourself. You're going to walk with purpose. You're going to walk worthy because, because Christ has called you to that. This is why we need to settle our who before our do. Because a lot of times we come into church before we've confessed Christ and before we understand what salvation means, and you hear a preacher give you a list of things to do, and you try to walk towards the things to do, but you do it with a little bit of shame, a little bit of guilt, because you haven't settled who you are in Christ yet. But if, if you know who you are in Christ, you can, you can walk worthy. Uh, you can start to put off the things that are old and start to put on the things that are new. Uh, in my house, uh, we have uh, we have four children, uh, but we have uh, hundreds of children that could just come through. Uh, it's probably more like a dozen, but there are days where the entire family shows up at my house, and the cousins are playing, and there's there's just kids running out playing in the sandpit, which, by the way, has ants now. Um, I just found that out yesterday. I poisoned them, uh, but then I missed two ants. Uh, I had a report yesterday that, hey, Dad, you missed two ants, and they bit me. I was like, that's, that's a really random uh, number. I don't think that's an infestation anymore. Um, but in, in one room of our house, is, is the playroom. The playroom is always dirty. Uh, sorry, uh, 
Ashley, if that's uh, offensive. It, it is. It, it, she's like, close the doors. There's guests coming. I'm like, we have kids. And so uh, there, there's toys everywhere. There's, there's just stuff. But, but in one box, we have like this toy box, and there's all these costumes in it, right? Uh, and when the cousins come, uh, one of the things that they like to do is they will run and disappear into the playroom, and then they come out, and they're a fully new person, right? Uh, they go in there as, you know, one, one little eight-year-old girl goes in there and comes out and is a cop with like huge biceps and like a badge and a hat and glasses, right? And I'm a cop now. And, and it's like, great, you're a cop. Boom, boom, you know, and we do like a little cop thing. And, and then she disappears and she goes. And, and now like the cop uniform is still on, but she has like a safari hat. I'm like, what are you now? I'm like, I police the lions in the, in the Serengeti. It's like, okay, it's getting weird, you know? Uh, we've, got, we've got doctor's uniforms. We've got scientist uniforms. I think we have an astronaut. It's just a, a, just a random box of just a ton of little things that, that we put on. And whenever my, my child or a, a cousin or another child, any child can come into our home and go in there and put that on and it comes out and they're cute. And it's like, oh, that's so precious. You want to you be that when you grow up, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I do. None of you would think it was cute if I ran in there and I come out and I put on the cop uniform with the fake biceps and I start strutting around like, hey, I'm a cop, right? And you're like, dude, you have a problem. You know, that's, that's not quite for you. Uh, that's for the children to play make-believe. Uh, but no, it, why, why, why is that different? Why is it that I don't get the same uh, level of love uh, that we give to our kids? Because, because it's not for me. I'm more mature, uh, or the, so they tell me. And uh, uh, for me to put on the old clothes and to pretend I'm something that I'm not uh, doesn't quite measure up. Paul's going to make this case in uh, Ephesians 4 and into chapter 5, a little bit, just a few verses, that a lot of times what Christians tend to do, they are saved, but then they run into the playroom and they put on old costumes that was cute at one time uh, and they put them on and then they try to solve life's problems with it. You know what would happen to me if I uh, had a problem with like a little cat burglar in my neighborhood and I ran into my playroom and I put on the cop uniform and I went outside and tried to pretend to be a cop? I would get arrested. Yeah, yeah, because you can't, you can't do that. That's not, that's not for me to do. But, but sometimes we try to do that with our life. We, we are followers of Jesus. We're, we're taking steps towards him. And then a problem comes up, a new situation in my family. And I don't know what to do to solve it. I'm going to run back to my old life. And I'm going to go put on the old uniform. And I'm going to pretend to be this old thing that I was. Because I think I remember this old thing solving this new problem. And Paul's going to warn us, we do not put on the old. We take off the old because there's something better for us in front of us. And we're stalling our growth when we continue to go back to the playroom and put on the fake costumes. We're stalling who we're being called to be. And we would be wise if we would just trust him. And we put on our new self, the, the self that was created for you, specifically for you. Uh, and we begin to walk in that. So if you would, let's look in Ephesians uh, chapter 4. And we'll start to see how, how this all makes sense. Paul uh, is, is our author. Uh, he, he's written everything we've read uh, for this series. He's written most of the New Testament. Um, as you might guess, this letter that we call Ephesians is written to a church in a city called Ephesus. That's where the name comes from. Um, as far as content of Ephesians, uh, it's very much the same as uh, Galatians, uh, except it's more poetic. And so if you are uh, more left-brained, you're like, I don't need flowery language. I just want to know the nuts and bolts of it. Uh, uh, Galatians would be a great place for you to get the exact same, exact's not the right word, a very similar message. But if you are right-brained, artistic, you like to see like 
like how the imagery can be embellished upon, Ephesians is the place to be. Just one example of that is the first 14 verses of Ephesians in English is like 12 sentences. In Greek, it is one long sentence with all these like, if you were to diagram the whole thing, it, it would and all the poets in here are like, yes, they're salivating as I say it. And then everybody else is like, dear Lord, uh, get me to Galatians. <laughs> it's just, it's just how, how it works. Paul uses a lot of metaphors in Ephesians, and I like, I like metaphors. They help, they help me put a picture in my head, and so I want to I look at this um, with you. Paul is in prison as he writes this, uh, which means he doesn't pass background checks to work in our children's department, but he, writes, he has time to write, and so we, we get to read what he says. And here's, here's how he begins in chapter 4, verse 1. It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now, you've got to respect a guy who's sitting in a prison cell writing to a bunch of free people, and he's saying, you know what I want for you to do? I want you to live your life out there with all your freedom in a way that's worthy, because I can't. I'm stuck right here. He's, he's making this case of, I'm a prisoner of the Lord, and I'm, I don't know if he's shackled to a person or a wall, or he might be just in house arrest, but still, he, he doesn't have as much freedom as you and I have. And he says, I, I'm urging you, walk in a manner worthy of, uh, of the calling to which you've been called. What does that look like? It says in verse 2, with all humility and gentleness. But this, this walk that we're supposed to make, you know, we're, we're trying to take momentum towards life, but what does that start to look like as we move towards life? Well, it should start to look full of humility and gentleness. Um, the, a mature Christian, uh, and maybe you think of some people who claim to be mature Christians uh, that don't look like this, but a mature Christian should not be slamming their fist on the table with anger and abruptness, telling you all the different ways that you've sinned and all the different problems you have in your life. That's, that's, not, that's not how Paul does things, and that's not what we're called to do. Uh, we're supposed to walk with humility. That is, that is to look at other people and just treat them with honor, more honor than what we expect them to treat us with. We treat them with gentleness. We, we talked about that a few weeks ago, that, that your walk is different than, than this person's walk over here. And when we see a brother stumble, we restore them with a spirit of gentleness. A lot of times we see someone that they're, they're messing up and, and our, our desire is to go and like yank them like forcefully, like get away from that, it's going to kill you. But, but we're called to restore them with gentleness. We're, we're, we're called to put on our new self, to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, and that should be seasoned with humility. It should be seasoned with gentleness. Keep going. With patience. Oh, my gosh. No, nobody, uh, everybody in here is like, I'm scared to pray for patience, right? Because you pray for patience and you got things you're supposed to be patient with. But, but we should be increasing in our ability to just be patient with each other, to tolerate other people's uh, you know, uh, problems or, or stress. Bearing with one another in love. To, to bear with one another is to, is to fight for one another. Not to fight each other, but to, but to choose. This relationship is more important than me being right or you being right. This, we, we, should, we should fight for, for keeping us together. Verse 3, continuing that same thought, he says, Eager, this is another way that we walk in a manner worthy. We're eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We should be eager not to, not to prove that somebody else is right or wrong, not to get our theological point across. We shouldn't even be eager to like prove our church is better than another church or any nonsense like that. We should be eager um, uh, to, to, to preserve the, the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Why? 
Because verse 4, he says, There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Did, did he miss anywhere that God can be? He's, 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 yeah, this is the God who is responsible for all the things everywhere. Your things, their things, that person's things over there. People who know who he is, people who don't know who he is. This is that one God. Uh, and he is over all of those things, and we should fight for unity in that. But grace, verse 7, but, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And then, then he goes on after that, several verses talking about the different ways that, that Christ's gift has been given to you. You know, the way that we, you and I, will begin to walk worthy uh, of, of the calling that's been placed on our life, the, the, the call that, that Christ has placed on our life as, as Christians, is when we, we stop caring about whether or not you know how smart I am, when we stop caring about whether or not you respect me as much as I think that you should, when we stop caring about whether or not I'm right or you're wrong, when we stop caring about if this church is the right church or that church, because, because Paul would think that that is absolutely ridiculous. The, the way that Christians get at each other, and I'm just referencing social media, we're a really solid church. I, I don't see really a lot of our Carpenter's Way people like getting on social media, blasting another church. But the, the way that Christians talk about each other on social media is just bizarre. You would think that they were arguing about two different religions, two different gods, two different Jesuses, two different spirits. You know the reason why we should fight for unity in this group of people, why we should fight for unity in, in Christianity, and why that's walking worthy? It's because if that person's a Christian, they have the same spirit in them as you have in you. They, 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 they are saved by the same Christ who died the same cross on the same cross, paid the same sacrifice for their sins as he paid for your sins. We're, we're going to be wrong on some things, and that's okay. We shouldn't fight for being right. We should fight for being in unity. I had a conversation with somebody uh, uh, just, just a few days ago. And, and there was this line drawn in the sand of, I believe this, and you don't believe that. I'm like, I I don't believe that. She goes, well, then, you know, uh, is it, what, what do you think about that? I said, I think uh, I'm going to have like a list of 10 things and I'm going to get to heaven. And Jesus is going to look at these list of 10 things that I believe about him. And he's going to be like, you were right about four of those, Jesse. Let me tell you about these other six things. And, and I think that you're going to get to heaven and you're going to have a different list of 10 things and a different list of four that you're right. And, and I, I think that, that I made it to heaven and Jesus is just going to correct me on a few of the things that I got wrong. It would be better for us to fight for unity rather than look for reasons to push each other apart. To walk worthy of the manner, uh, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called is to walk in a way that your life is bringing people together in your workplace, in your family. Um, you, sh you should be fighting to, to, to have your, your parents you know, uh, get along. You should be uh, talking to coworkers, not in a way that causes division, but in a way like, yeah, I can see, I can understand that misunderstanding. What can we do to, to fix that? It should, it should be seasoned with gentleness and humility. Um, but we're called to take steps towards that because that's where life is. After he talks about some of these different gifts, uh, that would be, I'm not going to talk about it today, uh, but he, he will go on like these different measure of Christ's gifts and different things that, that he's called you to do in the church. And it turns out that like you're called to do things different than I'm called to do. But we'll skip that because I want to talk to all of us. Verse 17, he picks it up and he says this. He says, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. What, what, he's, what he's saying is that old self that he'll, he'll bring up here in just a moment, that, that old self is, there's this futility of mind. Do you know what that word means? Futile. 
Uh, it's a nerdy word. If, if you're like, if you watch Star Trek, you know futile because you got like the Borgs, everything is futile. Futility is uh, uselessness. It's, it's wasting your time. It's running in circles. And he says, you know, that old self, the Gentile self, um, they, they, they walk in the futility of their minds. They, they don't know where they're going. They're running in circles, chasing themselves. They keep running back to the, to the playpen and finding a new uniform from their old life and trying it on, thinking that that's going to solve the new problem, and it never does. It just creates a new, different problem each and every time. They're, they're in the futility of their minds. You shouldn't walk that way, he says. In verse 18, he says, they are darkened in their understanding. They, they, don't, they, don't, they don't have light. They, they can't see uh, the things of God uh, quite right. It says, in fact, that they're alienated from the life of God, that there's a separation, in, and you probably remember this, uh, before, before you knew the Lord, uh, there's a separation and you felt it. Like, I just feel so far from God. Some, some of us in here, uh, maybe you feel that way. Like, I just, I can't, I can't put my finger on it, but I feel alienated from God. I feel, I feel removed from God. Why? Why do they feel that way? Alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. The funny thing about ignorance is uh, it, it, it's something that we, uh, when we're angry, we tell someone just to be mean. Like, you're just, man, you're just ignorant, you're right? Like, you can feel it. Like, as soon as I said it, and like, how dare you? But, but that's like yelling at a blind person and be like, yeah, you just can't see. <laughs> Duh. Like, it, like it, it, ignorance isn't, isn't the person's fault. Ignorance is I just don't know better. Uh, to tell someone that they're ignorant really is more of like a, a slam on yourself. Like, well, why don't you reveal it to me? You know, there are people out there who have not tasted the goodness of the Lord. They just don't know any better. They, they've, they've walked a life that maybe has a few more struggles than you've had. And the way that they see the world is that the world's a little bit more dangerous than what you've seen. And they're just, they're just doing their best, man. They feel alienated from God, but they're walking in the futility of their minds. They're walking in circles and they're just, they're just ignorant. And then he adds this phrase, due to the hardness of their heart. That, that phrase, hardness of their heart, it's in the Bible a couple of different times, and it's always interesting when it comes up. Uh, I think in two specific places. I think of Pharaoh uh, in uh, Exodus, yes. Um, and I think of uh, Romans 1, where it talks about the hardness of the heart. And in both situations, um, the characters that are discussed choose to harden their heart. They, they take steps to harden their heart. Um, maybe, maybe it's a form of protection. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's self-preservation. Who knows? But they take steps to harden their heart. And th- but then there's this moment in both situations towards the end where they no longer have a choice and the Lord hardens their heart. Both in Romans 1 and in Pharaoh and Exodus, it's almost like, it's almost like the Lord as a gift just gives them over to the hardness of their heart. There's just to, just to walk in full futility. He says, he says, we shouldn't, as a church, walk in this way where we don't know where we're going, where, where we're ignorant, where we act like we're ignorant of the things of God, and we, we cause our hearts to harden. He goes on to talk about this, this alienated way, and he says, they've become callous, and they've given themselves up to sensuality. I, I, I'll remind you, if you were here a few weeks ago, that word is really soft in English, but it has a lot of violence embedded in it. Um, They've given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. He's going to assume, everything he's going to say right now assumes that you are a follower of Jesus. If, if you are not, uh, we, should, we should chat. 
It's, 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 a, it's a simple process, uh, but we should chat about that. You should be honest. Like, I, I'm not ready yet. If you are a follower of Jesus, then you have a new self. You have an option to put on this new self that was created for you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, no amount of trying to be a better you gets you where you're going to be because you, you can't afford the payment. Uh, that song that we sang a moment ago, that, that he goes before and he won the victory and all I did was sit and praise, it's because Christ accomplishes this goal for you. It's not, it's not about your do, solve your who before you do. But if your who is, I am a follower of Christ, then, then we need to talk. He says, uh, assuming you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Deceitful desires. These are, these are the things um, that you want to do that lie to you about how good they're going to be. You know those things, right? These are the things that like, oh man, that, that would be so much fun to just punch that guy square in the nose. And then you do and, and you go to prison, okay? It's just like, it sounds fun, but they lied to you because they're desires that are deceitful. That's your old self. Put that off. It's corrupt. In verse 23, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Over here, the old self is the playpen of all the uniforms we learned in childhood that kind of get us through the day. You show up to your third grade class dressed as a Power Ranger, you're pretty cool. All your friends like you. You show up to your like HR staff evaluation next week dressed as a Power Ranger, you're looking for a new job because, because your old self doesn't work in your current life. That's, that's just the, the nature of it. And Paul is like, you know what? If you're going to be a mature Christian, take your old self. It's corrupt. It's got deceitful desires. You're not as cool as the white Power Ranger, okay? It's deceitful. Put on your new self. Who is this new self? It says this new self is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This self over here, it looks like Jesus. It looks like God. It's a little bit more like God. Um, it's unique to you. Uh, he covered that in those verses that I skipped. That, that the, the version of you that God is calling you to, it's, it's not like uh, the Lord wants to have one like homogenous looking Christian, right? That we all, some of us are going to be really good with hospitality. Some of us are going to be really good with speaking. Some of us are going to be really good with just quietly praying for one another. It, it doesn't, there's uniqueness in it. But what it's going to look like isn't a funky Power Ranger that you got at the spirit store. It's going to look like Christ. And it may be the closest thing to Christ that some people you know will ever see. It may be that you become a walking, living representation of Jesus. You know, the word Christian, I've said this before, uh, it comes up first in the book of Acts, and it's a slur. It's, it's, used, it's used derogatorily. It's meant to be little Christ, Christian, little Christ. And it was, it was these Romans... Uh, who have who've crucified Jesus on the cross, and then they're making fun of the followers of, quote, the way, as they called themselves at the time, saying, so you're just a bunch of little Christs, and little, little Christians. <laughs> and the, the little Christians are like, hey, I kind of like that. You, you meant that to hurt my feelings? Are you kidding me? That's awesome. I get to put on my new self created after the likeness of God in, in, in righteousness and holiness. I, you're telling me to you I look like Jesus? That's pretty much the goal of my life, man. Come on with that slur. Let's use it. And then they all start calling themselves Christians. Could you imagine? <laughs> Someone has this like racial slur and you're like, oh, I kind of like that. Okay. Uh, that's, that's how it goes. So what do we do with this? After you put on, after you work to put on this new cry, this new, this new you uh, that's made in the likeness of Christ, what do we do? Verse, verse 25. Almost there. 
Therefore, having put away all falsehood, all those lies, all those promises, all those deceitful desires that just, they're always, they're always messing you up. They're always tripping you up. You put away all falsehood. Let each one of you instead speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. You know what it looks like to speak the truth, right? Uh, speaking the truth is, you got a problem with, you know, uh, some, this person over here hurts my feelings. Uh, to put on my old self is to go over here and tell all of you how this person hurt my feelings, right? To put on my new self is to go and say, you know, uh, maybe you didn't realize it, but the way you said that was, was hurtful. To speak your truth with your neighbor, uh, the truth with your neighbor is to not cover things up so much. With, with, with grace and uh, dignity, walking, walking with, with humility and gentleness, you just honestly tell someone a true thing. You don't beat around the bush. You, you tell them. It's not to correct them. It's not to prove to them that you're right, because that's not gentle. It's to just say, hey, I, I'm really worried about you, man. Um, I'm, I'm really scared that what happened to me 20 years ago is just about to happen to you. And I'm sorry I haven't said anything yet, but I, I need to tell you. Uh, can I just tell you what happened to me and you know, if I can help you out of that situation? I'm really worried about your, your marriage because I, I see the way that you've been talking to that coworker and uh, it's none of my business really. I'm just, uh, I'm, just, I'm just looking out for you. Speak your truth with your neighbor. Why, why do you speak your truth with your neighbor? Because we're members of one another. As good as your neighbor uh, is, and who is your neighbor? It's, it's everybody. That's, that's Jesus' application of who is your neighbor when they asked him. Uh, uh, as good as your neighbor is, is as you, because we're all members of one another. We should be looking out for each other because we, we want our one body to be healthy. What else do we do? Verse 26, be angry. And then everybody just like delete the rest, right? Just like get a pen and kind of mark out the rest of that. Be angry. We're addicted to anger as a society. Uh, all of the news, all of media, all of social media is predicated on how can I tick you off? Because if I get you mad, you're going to salivate and you're going to want to watch more. But he says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Uh, that word devil right there literally means deceiver uh, or the one who lies. Uh, he says, you know, when you're being honest with your neighbor, it's okay to be angry. Uh, it's okay to, to, to tell someone, like, what you said made me very angry. You're not mean for saying that. Uh, but don't sin. Don't don't like slash their tires. Don't uh, you know? Don't don't use your anger to to prove your own point. Or just just be honest. Be angry and do not sin. And be quick about it because if you let the sun go down on your anger, uh, you give an opportunity for the one who's going to deceive you. You know what happens if you just let things? Uh, you know, I'm not going to address that. It's not it's not a big enough deal. I'm not going to deal with that right now. The way that she talked to me in that meeting, I you know I should say something, but I'm just going to let it slide this time. You know what happens, right? It starts to stack up in your head and in your soul. The lie that started it all, you could have addressed it really quick, and maybe it was just a misunderstanding. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe, maybe someone said something that wasn't true. Who knows? But if you just go to sleep on it, you give an opportunity for the evil one. You give an opportunity for the one who's going to deceive you to say, hey, you remember that time three weeks ago? You shouldn't have let it. Now, you've let it go four times now. The anger bubbles up a little bit more, right? Then you have like righteous indignation. And not only are you now mad at the one thing that happened this moment, you're mad at the last four months of things, and they all just come like storming into the room. This one argument that we're having with our spouse isn't about the dishes. 
It's about three months of the dishes and the garbage. And who fed the dog for the last three weeks? How is that dog even alive? Do you know? No. So, so like, we don't let our anger uh, uh, deceive us by addressing it right away. There are three dogs in here that, like, you're like, you're right. How is that dog alive? <laughs> it says in verse 28, let, let the thief no longer steal. That's a pretty good thing for a Christian to do, right? I'm a Christian. I used to be a thief. Well, stop stealing. Okay, well, what do I do with myself now? Let the, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. I love, I love how he adds, like, do this, but then here's the application of it. Let the thief no longer steal. Go do some honest work with your own hands, because then you're going to have something that you can give to your neighbor in need. Now, I don't know that we have a lot of thieves in here. Uh, I don't see any of the, like, you know, the black painted eyes. So you could be just in disguise, I suppose. But, but you're like, okay, well, how does this apply to me? There are a lot of labels that our old self would cause us to carry around with us, right? There are a lot of times my old self lied to get myself out of trouble. Let the liar no longer lie. Let him tell the truth so that he has something to give to his neighbor. Let, let, the, let the, uh, the old self, uh, let, the, let the adulterer no longer adulter so that he may have a good relationship with his spouse. Let the, uh, I don't know, the arson no longer start fires. Whatever the label is, the new self says, you are not your label. You have choices. And you take proactive steps to do something with your life that is meaningful not just to you, but so that you can give it to your neighbor. After you settle your who, and before you start working on your do, like what labels have you been carrying with you from your old self? Regrets. They're always regrets. Things that, that you're just like, I've been carrying this, and it's been defining who I am. The Lord has given you permission to no, to no longer live by that label. Let the thief no longer steal. It's a good, good word. But then you do something honest and give it to your neighbor. All right, I'm going to run out of time. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. That's, that's pretty good. No corrupting talk. Talk that corrupts. Talk that, that tears people down. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Okay, well, what should come out of my mouth? Because like, I would have nothing to say then, right? Let, <laughs> my first amen of the day. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. As fits the occasion. I love that little parenthetical phrase, as fits the occasion. There are sometimes the words that come out of your mouth will build up your construction worker friends, but they're not great with grandma at the Thanksgiving table. Okay, so there, there's occasions that you need to take into account for this. But in all things, the words that come out of a believer's mouth, as we put on our new self, should build up our brother, should build up our neighbor, should build up our spouse, should build up our kids, should build up somebody. And if what's coming out of our mouth is knocking them down at the knees, that's what Paul would call a corrupting talk, and it's the old self. It's the old self trying to defend itself. It's the old self trying to prove how smart he is or how right she is or whatever. Uh, put on your new self and don't let that corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Uh, but as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. That's beautiful. That what comes out of our mouth should be building each other up. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Uh, for context clues, uh, a lot of people are like, what does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? And, and they'll take that one verse. The problem by taking that one verse is that you ignore everything that was just said. So the context clues tells me that grieving the Holy Spirit here is trying to tear down other Christians, other people in your life, your neighbor. 
with your corrupting talk or you know stealing from them or whatever. It's it's about the unity of the the body. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor uh, clamor. Okay. Uh, let all bitterness and wrath, anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. All of these characteristics that you wish weren't true of you, they go away when you no longer have to defend yourself. You put on your new self, and you don't have to slander anybody. There's no need for malice. There's no need to to have clamor. Clamor is that need to you know those people who they're not they don't feel okay if they're not stirring the pot. That, that, that action of stirring the pot, in a, that's clamor. That's the, that's the biblical word for that. Uh, you, can, you, can, you can stop stirring the pot, man. Uh, and you just sit and rest in peace. Be kind to one another. I, lo- I love that, the, the final application. Hey, guys, just be kind to one another. It, it, hasn't grandma been telling you that your whole life? Yeah, grandma was right, and so was Jesus. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Two more verses. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. What Christ did was a fragrant offering to God. It wasn't just a, a begrudging offering to God. It, 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 was, it was good for him and for others. We're called to put on our new self that's made in the likeness of God in holiness and righteousness and gentleness, looking out for our neighbor, uh, and as we put that on, we start to look like this Jesus who saved you, who intersected with your life, who found you when you were in one of your costumes from your old life, trying to make this life work. And there's no costume in this barrel that is going to work. And Jesus says, come here, I've got a new you for you. We celebrate the new year and we say, happy new year, new year, new you, new me. I don't have the ingredients in myself by myself to make a new me. I can recreate the old me in a different likeness, but it's still the old me. I need something new. We need something new. Let's put on Christ. Let's try this out. And if this is a new concept for you, let's talk afterwards. For, for those of you who are believers, we have, we have some steps to take. We're going to settle our who. We know who we are. We're going to put to death those things that are trying to imprison us. We're going to stop those things. We're going to start building up momentum in the direction that we want to go. That's just taking one step towards Christ. Just one. And then you're going to find the second one a lot easier. And as you do that, you start to look at this new life that he's called you to be and realize he's calling you to look like his son, Jesus. And then you go out there looking like his son, Jesus. And you will see uh, uh, transformation in your workplace, in your families, and in your marriages because uh, that's, that's a better way to be. You no longer have to prove yourself. You have, you have Christ. The very best version of you you'll ever be will be the version of you that looks the most like Christ. We all want to be better. We all want to do better. The very best version of you that you will ever be in your life will be the version of you that looks the most like Christ. Let me pray, and we'll watch the cue together. Father, uh, we come to you now. We thank you. Um, we thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, we thank you that you didn't leave us in our ditch that you found us in. Um, we thank you, Lord, that you didn't, uh, you didn't let us just wear our costumes trying to prove to you how good we are. You, you give us permission to put that down. Uh, Lord, I pray for those of us in here who are scared. Um, that costume has protected us. That, that shield, that wall, that hardness has protected us. Lord, I, I pray that in, that in that fear, Father, that you would uh, you'd be gentle and kind and uh, they, would, they would trust you to, to set that old self down. 
Lord, as we take up our new self, as we, as we pursue that, as we take steps of walking towards who you've called us to be, Lord, help us to celebrate one another as we see successes, as we see victories. Um, help us to, to walk in a manner worthy of what you've called us to, into a world, and they see you in us. They don't see our brokenness. They don't see our old self, Father, but they see you in us. Lord, would you transform our community um, with the people of Carpenter's Way? We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.